what is my value system? And yeah, I mean, doing a daily check and not thinking like too far future and your whole life, but just like, what's important to me today? Like, I love that. All right. I'm here with the one and only Karsta Lowe. Karsta, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. My name is Aaron Wexler, and you're on Within the Game podcast. And I'm here with Karsta Lowe, who's an Olympic bronze medalist, uh, an NCAA champion at UCLA from 2011, where I was a volunteer assistant coach. You were also a volunteer assistant coach uh, in 2020 at USC, and you played professionally overseas in Puerto Rico, Italy, and China. You're also a geography and environmental studies major, as am I. So I thought that was pretty oh, cool. I didn't know that. Love yeah. That. Yeah. So once again, Karsta, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, it was we we caught up. What was it like a month ago at the 10 year reunion? And yeah. that was such a great blast from the past to like see all those people and nothing had changed. Like everyone <laughs> was exactly the same. But yeah, I'm excited to to chat and get into it. Yeah, no, I mean, 10 years have have flown by and that was like an, an amazing run. And then watching the, you know, the NCAA tournament now, I just remember everything that happened. And that was just like a crazy, amazing run that we had. And um, yeah. it was just, it was awesome. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more, but I always like to start with this question. You know, this, this podcast is all about tools to stay inspired, right? Tools for inspired living. So I always like to ask my guests, like, what does inspired living mean to you? That's such a loaded question. Um, I, you know, I, it's this daily struggle to stay inspired. I think it's, and for me, I've always had to keep it really fresh, like something that gets, things get stale for me really quickly. And so for me, staying inspired is like constantly reaching for more. Uh, I think like I've always had to push myself to be really uncomfortable, to stay inspired and, um, you know, look at different outlets, look to different people, get outside my bubbles and social circles. And I mean, I'm still working on it. You know, that's, that's a daily, daily thing for me to stay inspired, but I think just getting ready to create stuff, you know, Mm. that's, that's what I like to think about being inspired. And as an athlete, I love that you said that as as an athlete, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean by create? Sure. So, you know, you create on the court and, you know, I think as I've stepped away from playing a little bit as of late, it's really interesting to get the perspective and see that you really are creating something on the court for people to enjoy and to watch. And, you know, as I said, not being an athlete for a couple of months and, and looking at athletes and what they're doing, and they really are inspiring the general public. They really are creating something on the court, a spectacle, you know, of physical, but also like mental talent. I mean, I just think the, the fortitude it takes to be an athlete is insane. and something now I appreciate a lot more again, like as I've stepped away, but, um, also creating off the court is, you know, its own, its own challenge and finding your own interests and passions that are not sport. Yeah. No, I love that you said that. Cause I think creativity is such a big part of staying inspired, living an inspired life, you know, just being around inspired people. Like, you know, I, people in my circle, including you, like, are, are just like always looking to create the next thing, whether it's on the court, in the game, outside of the game, you know? So I just love that you said that it's great. 
found this quote that you that you had and it was uh i'll just read it you said uh you just have to be yourself and some people are gonna love you and some are not and i was hoping you could just expand on that a little bit sure yeah so um i think one of the things that i like about myself or that I've noticed about myself recently is I think that I am a very authentic person. I've been told that from people and it's something that I only really appreciated about myself recently and something I didn't really know. Um, but that I try to be myself all the time, no matter what. And it's just kind of how I am. And I don't really have a filter. What's on my brain just comes out. But, you know, along with that is there's definitely going to be people where, you're not their cup of tea. And, you know, like I have a really strong personality and it's too much, you know, or like whatever. I mean, not that I've like had any like real issues with people, but you know, it's just, that's a fear that you're not going to be accepted and liked for who you are. But I think all those like quotes that are kind of cliche are actually so true that there's really, everyone else is taken. Like you can only really be yourself. And yeah. I have never found like so much joy in the moments. I have never found more joy than in the moments where I just felt like I was really being true to myself and where I, I was doing something or I was making something or creating or with people. And I thought like, this is me. Like I am, who I want to be right now and whether that's accepted or loved by others, I'm okay with it. And as long as I'm not hurting anyone else and I'm being good to other people, all I can do is like be the best version of me and it's going to work for some people and it's not going to work for some people, but you know, you can only control one person's opinions and that's yourself. So (laughs) I really resonate with that. You know, it, it's been a recurring theme on this this show, which is um, FOPO, fo- uh, fear of other people's opinions. And Dr. Oh. Mike Gervais taught me about that. And it's very prevalent, I feel like, in, in sports and in our society right now, and um, especially with the youth and, you know, the IG and everyone's just looking around and just trying to look, look good and, and you know, yeah. create uh, maybe a, a good opinion in someone else about mm-hmm. themselves, you know, and I just... I really think this idea of authenticity and vulnerability is just so key right now. What do you suggest to any athlete or coach that's listening to this, you know, that, that, that feels that in the, in their culture, you know, and that, that like, how do we shift that as leaders, you know, that feels that they're always aware of what other people think of them that feels that yeah or their their players or like even them as coaches are like we we feel that there's this this underlying fopo this fear of other Mm -hmm. people's opinions that we always have to look good and we always have to have good results and we always have to like even the idea of being inspired like you don't have to be inspired all the time like that's that's not the goal like i mean maybe it is the goal but but you know it's not realistic you know we're we're human beings you know but but just knowing that that we're always on the spotlight and we always have to like look a certain way. I think that's a really big topic and it's really relatable. Could you just talk totally. a little bit about that? Like, cause you're, you've been in the spotlight, you know, <laughs> you've been on the biggest stage in the world in the Olympics, you know um, you know, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So, I mean, full transparency, I, I still have to go with it. You know, I, I talk a lot, but of course I still, worry about other people's opinions. And I've struggled with that. I mean, I've been very honest that I care what people think, but what I, I think 
what I'm learning to do better is being really selective of whose opinions I care about. And I'm really lucky that I have an amazing support system around me in my friends and my family. And I really respect the hell out of those people. And so those are the people's opinions I care about. And I mean, I've even disagreed with them, but I think, you know, it's, it's really easy to do, but I, I think it, in the end, it's only a impediment um, to success and what you really want because you're just going to waste time on it because there's what, 7 billion people or however many, you know, it's like you are never going to control anyone else's opinion of you. And if you do, you're really just kind of like spinning your tires in the mud. You're not going to get what you want. And I think that's something that I've noticed a lot, you know, as an athlete, you're kind of like given this trajectory, like I didn't care what people ever thought about me on the court. And that's why I succeeded. But the court was always like the court, a very controlled situation. And Mm -hmm. as I've stepped away from the court and seen, I think people who get the most, who achieve what they really want and the most success that objectively what we consider a success is they really just go for what they want and they don't waste time on caring what people think because it's just pointless. It's a waste of time. And I think that, you know, you should really just hone in on what matters to you, what your value system is. And then, okay, I have this value system set in place. This is what's important to me. And again, I'm the only person's opinion I can control. So I'm going to like, put my stock in myself. I love that. I love how you said the value, the value system. Um, one of my mentors, David Meltzer told me to, uh, take daily inventory of your values. Um, does that, does that resonate with you as an athlete? Yeah. I mean, as an athlete, as a person for sure. And that's something I'm still distilling, you know, like what is my value system? And yeah, I mean, doing a daily check and not thinking like, too far future and your whole life, but just like, what's important to me today? Like, I love that. And what are, what do I really want to value today? And what, you know, character traits or whatever is important in my conversations without overthinking too much, but yeah. 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 And I think it's a big missing piece um, for athletes, for coaches, for, for even for entrepreneurs, you know, like, cause we're always so goal oriented. We always want to win. We want the next thing. We want this, we want that. And that, those are good things, you know, but I think it's really important in that process to just stop and be like, okay, what, what am I, what, what is my value system? Like, what yeah. are my values? You know, what, what are the things that I need to really stay focused on while I'm going for my goals, while I'm on the pursuit, you know, yeah. of, of excellence or of winning. You know, sure. and, and and I just wish that I learned that, you know, now that I'm having conversations about that now, I, that's part of the goal of this podcast is whoever's listening, like, learn that now, like, like, yeah. like really get into the value system of yourself yeah. so that you can be the best version of yourselves. Cause I think that's the main win. I mean, we've experienced winning together, you know, like that, that championship and, and, and that was great, you know, but, but after winning, it's like, okay, then what, right. You go to the next thing. Right. And for you, you know, yeah. you went to, to the Olympics and Team USA and then played pro. And it's, it's always for an athlete. It's always like, cool. Even if you win, it's like you want to win again. You want to go. Yeah. You want to keep going. And I think we can get lost in that pursuit sometimes, you know, of our own values, you know, for sure. 
Yeah. Sure. Um, let's revisit that 2011 championship. Um, that, that was again, 10 years ago. Crazy. Yeah. Um, what does anything stand out from you in your mind from, from that, that run? <laughs> um, how little I played. No, I, um, <laughs> you were yeah, a freshman, right? I was a freshman. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I think obviously I think a lot about people and I, like, again, that was so long ago, but I'm still best friends with Zoe Nightingale, you know, cool. like, and that's, that's really special to me that, you know, we had that shared experience and in, and it was such a different, like in, in retrospect, it was so different than what we were used to. I mean, like I was all, I was riding the bench and Zoe was all tournament team, you know, and I love that. Like, I love that. I mean, like that sounds cocky, but it's more just like, you know, we had this experience where I was, I had a very different role. And like, I, I forget that I won a national championship because I don't feel like I was an integral piece of the team, you know, but of course everyone's an integral piece of the team, but I think a lot about like mostly the people and the relationships and um, yeah, I mean, what a special time. And it was, it was really the kickoff of like my serious volleyball career you know like that was my mm-hmm. freshman year I had just graduated high school and I was this really lanky freshman who was just bumbling around and then I got to win a national championship you know and then obviously as a player I didn't really like bloom until later but um still such a great kickoff like I said I remember like you just hitting the crap out of the ball, like consistently. Yeah. You just like, and it it was like so effortless. Like you just, I mean, as a lefty opposite, just being able to just, you know, take this great approach and go hammer the ball, whether you're, whether you're tooling the block or going deep angle. I love your deep angle shot. I think you love that shot. Like that area one shot. I remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Speaking of tooling, that's what I remember from the championship game. I got tooled. I went in as a blocking (laughs) sub for people who don't know volleyball. I came in as for one job to block the ball and I literally failed and then got subbed out. But then we won that game and I totally like changed the whole rhythm of the game. But you know, I was against Illinois. I want to say yeah, Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. 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 Um, And you know, something that I learned uh, about you um, that I didn't know is that you actually were a walk-on and I didn't know yeah. that I, you were a walk-on. And then, you know, during that year, you got offered a full scholarship for the rest of your career at UCLA. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was a really late bloomer. Like I said, I was really lanky and I wasn't getting any big scholarship offers from any big D one programs. And my brother went to UCLA at the time and I really wanted to be at a big powerhouse and, I, I decided that I'd rather start small and work my way up than go somewhere and, you know, stay like plateau as a player. And so I'm so grateful. And my family was a huge piece of making that decision, but yeah, I'm so grateful, obviously that I took a chance and went in as a walk-on and then, you know, Mike Seeley took a chance on me and gave me a scholarship. So yeah, it it all worked out, but didn't know if it would. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really inspiring. Shout out Coach Seeley. Shout out Zoe Nightingale too. Make sure yeah. those get, the shout outs get, get out there. Um, I think that's really inspiring for any athlete who might be listening to this or coach um, or even a parent of an athlete, you know, to have a, a walk-on opportunity and then to kind of blossom into a full ride athlete. Um, can you just talk about the mindset? What like about that? Like, how did that how did that happen here first 
in your mind like you get to ucla i don't know i played at ucla too i remember i got there i was like a little intimidated like oh man i made it here here yeah. i am you yeah. know but then the whole new level starts right but like when you get there at when you got there you know as the walk-on what was your mindset to like did you have a scholarship in mind was that a goal did you just oh like... yeah i knew i wanted okay. to get a scholarship and i knew i wanted to be playing and that i eventually could play um but yeah, I mean, it's totally the big fish in a small pond from high school. Then you go on and you're a tiny fish in a huge <laughs> pond and you're surrounded by like world-class athletes. Um, but that is exactly why I chose to go to UCLA because I, I knew where I wanted to be. And so I just surrounded myself with that. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go there and then do really well and, and find a way to earn a scholarship. And I just kind of, I mean, throughout my volleyball career, I've just, it, I mean, talk about manifestation, like uh, that term has become so popular now, but I think that was, that's why I've had success. I think in my volleyball career is that once I, I decide I'm doing something, I just, I'm going to do it. Like you, I cannot be stopped. And I mean, I, I off the cuff, it sounds cocky but it's it's true I mean I think that's truly how I got what I wanted as a volleyball player I wish I was as good at that in my off the court life but yeah man I'm I'm so appreciative that you mentioned manifestation uh talking <laughs> my language now I mean can you talk a little bit more about that I mean what is that because you know back at UCLA it's like at the, that was the time when I was actually reading a lot of about creative visualization. And do you remember some of those visualizations that I, I, I did do, for the team? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was that for me back remembering back then again, 10 years ago, that was me thinking of like, okay, how could I best add value to the team with the knowledge that I have that I'm learning right now about this creative visualization and the manifestation powers that we all have when we, when we tap into the quantum um, that's getting a little deep, but that's kind of what we did. Um, yeah. And I would love for you to talk about that as like your experience with that at uh, being an athlete as well as now off the court. Like, yeah, talk about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So I think this is it's things that all got labels like later, and and you maybe were already tapped in it. Like you and Celie yeah. were always like so into like <laughs> I don't know what to like what some people consider like woo woo, but like trust me, I believe in that shit. Like that's I I love it and. I think that's something that all became like labeled later for me, but like manifestation, I think is something that um, has obviously been around forever. And I think it's something that my family has always really been um, like put a premium on. It's like, if you want something, there are steps to do it and you can do it. And that's manifestation, right? Like it doesn't need a cool word just to say that, once you set your sights on something, there are steps to take to do it. And of course, some things you need, like, you know, I'm six, four and I've got raw talent. Like, you know, there's, there's things that were helping me out as well, but there's a lot to be said for hard work and laying out a plan to get what you want. And I, you know, looking back, you were talking about the visualizations that you and, and Celie, I mean, Celia always put a huge premium on the mental side of the game. And I think that's something I'm only having true appreciation for now. Mm. And, you know, like there's so much to be said for physical ability and you can't do it without 
physical ability, but the mental side is such a key component. I mean, without it, you're really lost and your physical skills go out the window, right? If you're like shooting the bed in a match, it doesn't matter that you're the best player in the world, whatever, like your brain needs to be on lock. And so, you know, albeit I'm not the best visualizer or meditator or, you know, those, but there's so much to be said for that side of the game. And that's something I'm, I'm really appreciative that, you know, Sealy and the staff at UCLA really put a premium on. And um, it's obvious. I mean, athletes around the world are talking about the mental side of the game and mental health. And I think that was something that was always really emphasized. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, the value in that for me is that it just transcends sport. It just, you know, like it's one thing, like I said, to win, but it's another thing to take these, these tools, because that's what this, this podcast is about. It's about tools, you know, the tools within um, the tools of visualization, the tools of manifestation. Those are tools that we can use as, as human beings, but spiritual beings too. I'm I'm a spiritual person. And I, I believe that, you know, if we can utilize these tools outside of the game, you know, and, and help, you know, uh, positively affect our environment, you know, or the people around us or um, the world itself, you know, I think that that's when we're creating an impact, a true positive impact, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk a little bit about playing for Karch Karai and Team USA and, and the experience of, of winning a bronze medal? Yeah, I was, that's literally the perfect segue because I was thinking about Karch Karai when you talked about transcending sport and he used to always say that sport is like life's best teacher because it condenses life lessons into these like really quick episodes where you have to learn something really quickly. And that's like sport is a vehicle for learning things really quickly. And I always really appreciate that, that he said that. Um, And it's so true, but yeah, talking about Karch and my time with the national team, I mean, I don't know where to start. Um, it Karch is an amazing coach, obviously. He's played the game, you know, better than anyone, maybe you could argue. And he's obviously the GOAT in volleyball, both indoor and beach. Um, so he's just a wealth of information. And I think he's the type where, Truthfully, he doesn't give a lot of technical feedback, but when he does, it's okay. That's it. You know, like that's the word <laughs> that's, um, that's the answer. So that was obviously really cool to learn from him and to see the game from his perspective. I think he sees the game in a really unique and interesting light. And, um, obviously so much to be said for that and you know proofs in the pudding he he did it um and yeah we won a bronze medal in 2016 in rio and that was obviously a the peak of my athletic career and something i'm really proud of and um you know contrasting from the national championship with ucla i i believe i did have an integral piece on um i, I was an integral piece of that bronze medal. And I'm really proud of that. Um, and coming off the bench, I was, you know, able to make an impact and that's something that I'm really proud of. And that obviously no one can take away from me and my, my medals over there in the corner. And I, you know, I don't look at it that much, but 
it's just um it's something that has honestly you know shaped a lot of who I am and it's something I you know get to feel good about all the time which is great but um yeah also it's it only lasts for so long and then things go on and you know they win a gold medal so <laughs> um but yeah it was uh, my time with the national team I, I think about very fondly awesome awesome uh I, you know I had Karch on this show too and <clears throat> yeah one of the main things that I learned from him is uh, going back to mindset stuff is like how to manage your mind you know and, and how to be so um do you know who sue enquist you, you remember sue don't you sue enquist, are you kidding right? sue of course yeah no, sue is, works at the national i was just right in, right right i was just on a trip with her actually oh okay okay yeah so, yeah so sue enquist and and carts are like they're such a good team right yeah and if and if anyone doesn't know sue enquist she's been on the show too um 11 time champion softball coach uh ucla um but she's just like the secret <laughs> the secret sauce like, like she just has she she has this ability to um basically teach how to manage your mind right and i remember that peace sign i'll never forget it the whole one percent better thing you know it really helped me i, I ran with that because i i really resonate with that message but tying what she was talking about back into what karch was talking about which is this idea of productive thoughts and um, now we're going back into mindset a little bit, but again, could you talk a little bit about when you have like a, an unproductive thought or a weak voice, which was Sue would call it to a productive thought or strong voice to what, what Karch is talking about. Um, could you like, could you talk about that a little bit and like how to identify that and when, when you're in weak voice, how to transfer straight into strong voice? Yeah, it's, I have not heard that language about it, but I think, you know, it's all about self-talk right yeah, and right. like the different types of self-talk and I think a huge hurdle first is identifying what is a productive thought or not and you know just having awareness around your thoughts is really really hard and um like I have a lot of intrusive thoughts so like I you know I've, I've struggled with a lot of mental illness and thoughts that I are not productive are not helpful. And for so long, I think I had no awareness over those thoughts. And I think just being able to identify and just be conscious that you're having those thoughts is huge. Like that's the first thing. And then, okay, so this is productive. This is not knowing what's going to fuel you forward or what's going to bring you back to, you know, adjust the script is again, really difficult and something that I am still working on. And I, I think the most you can do is a, you know, like I said, accept and have awareness when the thoughts are not productive or helpful. And, you know, it's really as simple as changing that thought by saying it to yourself and repeating it and verbalizing it or saying it out loud. For me, I have to say something for it to really feel like, so I talk out loud to myself all the time. You know, I have like therapy sessions in my car, you know, like just changing that language out loud for me has helped change the script in my, in my brain and change those thoughts, but damn, it's hard. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's not easy. 
Yeah. Um, you mentioned mental health issues. I mean, I know that's a really tough topic for some, some people. Um, would you be willing to talk a little bit about that? And just, you know, um, if anyone's going through a tough time with anything, um, what are some tools that they can use other than, you know, what you just talked about that self-talk and changing the script, which I love, um, mm-hmm. you know, w- w- yeah. Take that if you want. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm an open book with mental health. I, I don't talk a lot about it, like on my own platform, but if anyone asks, I am like, let's talk because I think mental health is finally kind of getting its time in, in the spotlight and, thank God it's time. And, um, it's something that everyone struggles with, right? Like there are people who like my mom, she doesn't like, she gets stressed about things, but like, it's never like all consuming, you know, or like just these big periods of like depression or anxiety. I mean, there are people who are blessed in their brain, but they have their problems. I'm not saying, but where their brain kind of operates like it's supposed to. (laughs) Um, But I think the majority of us um, struggle a lot in our own brain. And I know I for sure have. Um, I I have a OCD diagnosis. So um, I do a lot of like obsessive thinking um, that gets really, really dark and like all consuming. So, you know, it can be a multitude of things. an easy example. When I was growing up, I was really insecure about my height and there was an entire summer. I'm six, four. So there was an entire summer in high school where I only thought about my height, like only. And so I was depressed, you know, I was a super depressed little high schooler kid thinking about my height 24 seven, how I was taller than everyone, how I was never going to meet a man or like whatever, you know? And that was something I didn't even know I was struggling with until later in life. I didn't get an OCD diagnosis until I was, um, 24, 25, you know, and on average it takes 11 years of diet to diagnose, I think. Mm. So there's so much silent struggle happening for people. And I am one of them, you know, I, I silently struggled a lot and, not because I didn't have amazing people around me, but because they didn't have the knowledge or resources to identify it. So I think, you know, as we get more knowledge and resources out there, hoping that, you know, it can be identified. And like I was saying about the productive thoughts, that question about awareness, I think just initial awareness is the most challenging part. And I I still get in thought loops where I don't have awareness of how dark it is until it's retrospectively and the week has passed. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I was in such a dark place because I was obsessing about this thing. But in the moment, it's very hard to see your own brain objectively. So anyways, that's a lot, but um, yeah, I, I think mental health and mental illness is I consider it to be everything. I think it's the umbrella over everything else because without it, um, it's very difficult to get the joy that you could. Like when I'm in those dark places, I'm not able to connect or be present with people. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something I 
struggle with all the time. And truthfully, I think I'll struggle with my whole life. You know, I think realistically it's, it's a, it's an ongoing challenge, but I've accepted that. And now, you know, it's like, okay, talk about Sue Enquist. She always says, she's like, the secret's out, you know, like once you accept something, it's like, well, now what? Now I'm going to fucking do, sorry. It's okay. You can bleep me out. (laughs) But now I'm going to do something about it, you know? So yeah. anyways, yeah. No, that's great. And then um, if anyone listening to this is, is having mental health issues and struggling, you know, like what's the point at which they need to reach out to somebody? Yeah, I think it's really different for everyone. I mean, I think everyone needs some one person that they are very vulnerable with. And I know that's really hard to find sometimes because sometimes it's not your family or sometimes it's not your significant other or whatever it is. Um, You know, again, I've been really lucky, but I think you should always be talking to someone about what's going on up here Um, because it gets too scary if you're just up here alone. So I think always you should be, but I think what they say in the medical world is this, if it's interfering with your daily life and you are struggling to complete daily tasks or not sleeping well or not eating well, or not able to perform at work like you used to, I think that's, that's a big sign. I need, to figure this out and, and get some professional opinions and yeah yeah 100 um and i don't know if i told you this karsta but i'm working on the my version of the pyramid of uh, inspired living and oh, i cool. i was inspired to do that from obviously the pyramid of success from john wooden um yeah. that we saw every day walking into the gym you know but for me on my the very first block on the pyramid is health and that includes mental health and you know yeah. it, that's just talking about, um, you know, taking daily inventories of your values. Like that's the number one thing, number one, before anything else, you know, self-care health, you know, and, um, just can't stress that, can't stress that enough, you know, Mm -hmm. for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, just a couple more here, Karsta. Um, let's transition to back to inspiration, Uh, any sources of inspiration that, that come to mind for you. And source of inspiration. Um, Truthfully, my surroundings have always been a really huge source of inspiration. And I, um, you know, I, I flirted with the idea of being an architect. I went to architecture school, but for me, you know, I've been able to travel a lot and see a lot of different countries and a lot of different places. And that has always been a really big source of inspiration for me is mm-hmm. where I am and who I'm surrounded by um, kind of dictates what I'm going to produce and the mm-hmm. rest. Um, but yeah, I, I love, I love architecture. I love design. I love people. I don't know. I I'm inspired yeah. by a lot. I'm one of yeah. those people where like, I just love the world. Yeah. <laughs> I love the world. I love looking at it. I love soaking it in. I love experiences. So I can't really put a, a, a clear label on, on what my source of inspiration are. That's great. That's great. Like the, the most inspiring people I talk to and, and ask that to, they say everything, you know, yeah, I find it yeah, like, I don't know yeah. that book right there. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. I think that's one of the goals of this project and of my message is that you can find it anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and really within right you can find it within like all this stuff that we're talking about this mental management this mind management stuff with like the inspirations in us right yeah. like in spirit like in us like for sure you know so that's that's awesome um last question karsta um and i really appreciate your time and and yeah this is a lot of fun too um fulfillment talk to me about fulfillment what does that mean to you fulfillment i think um being fulfilled is having a a like you said kind of um like a transcendent version of yourself. I think mm. um, when you can feel like a really high form of yourself and the best version of yourself that you like and love, I think that's where fulfillment comes. And um, when, when you feel like you're really reaching the top of what you can be, that's the times I felt the most fulfilled. So I'm working on it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Karsta Lowe, thank you so much for... <laughs> I feel like we like tapped into like we so did. many deep topics. I we feel did. like you can... We, I'll come on again and we can like really dive into each other. <laughs> yeah, no, we should. Because I actually want to tap more into the manifestation in the quantum field because that's yeah. really what interests me. But uh, no, I really appreciate you coming on and I, you know, and, and just spending some time and some mindset and, and getting vulnerable. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Anytime. I'm, I'm one of the more vulnerable people. <laughs> yeah, no, Too I think vulnerable. that's great. I think that's great. Um, how can people connect with you or find more about, about you? Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram, Carstelo, and, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to push out more stuff lately. I'm not, um, I'm not the best on social or like promoting myself. It makes me cringe, but stay tuned. There might be more coming. Yeah. And I think you could really help a lot of people with that vulnerability. That's a, that's a tough one for a lot of people, including myself, right? Like the podcast world has helped me be more, more vulnerable, but I think that's something you could really help a lot of people with. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, Carsta. Well, this was great. Thank you so much okay. again. And uh, we'll do a part two soon. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot. Bye. This episode is brought to you by DAF Global. If you're looking to start a podcast or you have a podcast and you're looking for editing services, hit up my guys, Oliver and Garrett at DAF Global. They're awesome. They help me with this podcast and they take care of all kinds of different services like editing and audio enhancement. And they're great to work with. They're also offering a 10% discount to all within the game listeners. So hit my guys up at DAF Global on Instagram and also on their website, www.dafglobal.com dot co dot uk